What's going on, guys? This is MDLP with the Battle Axe Gym Podcast. We have a good episode today. It's episode six, Attack of the Nerds, because um, I am literally surrounded by a lot of years of science. To my left, Dr. Skinner. In front of me, Trevor Jaffe. Two very, very established powerlifters. Been in the game for a while. I'm going to let them talk a little bit, a quick introduction, introduction, and then some of the things they've done, established, and, um, and then they'll go from there. So... Let's do this. So go ahead, Skinner. You first. You're on my left, Doc. Oh, I like that. So, uh, yeah, I'm Dr. Jared Skinner. It still feels good to say doctor every once in a while. I like that. But um, so I've got a uh, uh, currently work at the VA in Gainesville, work with the uh, BRC, which is a brain rehabilitation research center. Um, then I'm a lecturer at UF where I teach uh, exercise um, prescription and fitness assessment, and then I am the head trainer at ABC or American Barbell Club. Damn, that really sucks to follow that up. <laughs> yeah, that's just <laughs> fucked up. I'm not going after them too. By yeah, the way, I'm, I'm just gonna leave. I'm Trevor Jaffe. I am not a doctor. I don't even play one on TV. <laughs> However, I'm willing to palpate areas of your body and tell you how fucked up they are. Just that's the only way I can touch you. But I don't have like half of those credentials, but I know a lot of really fucking strong people who seem to think I know what I'm doing and hang around me, and that's good enough, right? Uh, get off my shit. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we happen to find Trevor I mean, on the side of the street. Yeah, he was I don't hungry. have a fucking PhD, but I can name drop uh, for days yeah, if so, I had to. Anyways, because he's tremendo fucking humble guy. Uh, <laughs> Trevor is an elite in three? The elite three total? Cl- yeah, international elite in two-way classes. Elite in one. I had this silly little goal last year of doing three elite totals in three different weight classes in nine months. Which weight classes? So I went 181, 198, and then 220. And then actually I did it in reverse order. I went 198 first, then 181, then 220. Yeah, which is crazy. And now I'm coming back down to 181 for Battle of the Bay in four weeks. Ooh, buddy. Fucking hell. Basically, it's an eating disorder that I have. (laughs) (laughs) Masked by powerlifting? I'm seeking help. Well, there's nothing wrong with throwing up a little bit after you eat, guys. It it makes you manage weight. It's not a big deal. Absolutely. It's a great way to get Uh, in shape. Yeah. Duh. Sometimes I I enjoy tasting it again. Whatever. (laughs) Root beer tastes awesome the second time around. If you want to pass a first first date, take notes. Um, So... So we had a seminar this week, uh, this weekend. We had one with Trevor uh, in August. The middle of the hottest fucking month of the year. Which he was, brings me to an outdoor gym. It's great. He no fans. Yeah. And I turned the fan off so people can hear you. It's <laughs> terrible. That's actually how I made 181 in yeah. August. I just came uh, here for the day. And this weekend we had, um, that's my dad's cell phone. He doesn't, he's looking at me. He's walking away right now. Yeah, everybody so wants on the show. Look how to do that. Uh, my dad, yeah, exactly. That's a classic De La Pava move. Um, but we're raw. We're live. You know. So, anyways, and now we had uh, American Barbell Club. Where we had John and Skinner come and talk a little things about powerlifting. So, this episode is obviously going to talk about training. We're going to get a little sciencey sometimes, obviously, and then we're going to obviously always, like I always do, we apply these things that go beyond sport. It goes mm-hmm. beyond um, just like physical stuff and the philosophy and training about life. So, um, we're going to talk injury prevention, all that good stuff. But obviously, we're going to break down into something. Both of you guys are preparing now for Battle of the Bay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that obviously this is not your first, not your 10th, not your 15th meet, whatever. It's way beyond that. Uh, Can I ask you guys something? And again, I always say this. I'm going to talk to you guys like I don't know you guys personally. So do you guys still get, I know this is just a general question, but I love it. Do you feel those butterflies? Do you still get those nerves? And then how do you apply it um, to, like, how do you just make that a strength? If you have any tips on that and just, just what you guys do. Um, I'm going to go ahead in front of Jared just in case I say something really cool. 
I don't get nervous for me at all. I get nervous for athletes I'm at at the meet. I want them oh, to have gosh, the best the experience. I want them to have the best day, and I'm more nervous for them than me. Um, Jordan had laughed about that. You know, he's like, I don't know how you coach an entire meet and then go out and lift. And really, I kind of feed off of them. The better they do, the better I do. It doesn't matter how tired I am, it doesn't matter if I'm cramping. If I see them do something, my adrenaline goes through the roof, and I don't even think about myself or the lift. It just kind of happens. I used to. My first strongman contest, I ate nothing because I threw everything up except for Monster Energy drinks all day, and I ended up with freaking rhabdo. It was awesome. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, like, I literally went to the gym three days later. I couldn't even lift the bar. My nervous system was shot. Yeah. A lot of people, well, by the way, a lot, side note, a lot of people don't know is that Trevor started his strength career, at least recently, in strongman. Uh, and then went into powerlifting. Yeah. And we'll get into that too because sure, no obviously problem. we're going to relate on something, but go ahead. Absolutely. Yeah, so initially I had a lot of nerves, but I find that the more consistent I am with my training as practice of that skill set, I try to set up the same. We talked about this when I came down for the seminar. The more you relate your training to your meet day, it becomes automatic. You know, you, you mm -hmm. should no longer think about what you have to do on the platform. It's just automatic. You've, you've ingrained that pattern. You've ingrained that movement. It's nothing you haven't done before until your third attempt when you're taking a PR. But at that point, you know, that's what you train to do. Mm -hmm. You're training to take that PR. You're training to push your total higher. You're training to take those numbers higher. And you're going to take the best day you have. Um, so you dissipate the nerves by practicing as you play. I, oh my God, I'm going to touch base on that <laughs> skin. So no, go ahead. Bro. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of take the opposite approach. I, I think nerves keep you keep you humble. You know, I get up there, and it's a way for me to kind of respect the weight, and for me anyway. And, you know, I'm not like Trevor. Uh, I, I have, you know, I'm the coach there too. Usually I have two to three. He, I think he has literally half the every meet in Florida. <laughs> Um, he's coaching like for us, so like, what are you doing? <laughs> I know it's, it's insane. It's crazy, I watch him. Yeah. I'm like, he's going around wrapping knees, doing this, giving attempts, and then he goes out and does it. Seven something. Yeah, around. god damn it. it but no, it's 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 one of those things. I look at it in sense. I still, you know, I go in there. Everything's. Uh, if you look back at my training, I am 100% meat prep ready. Um, go in have I usually have great meat preps. Um, everything is is very very synonymous with mm -hmm. how I'm going to perform at the meat. And I still get nervous. I think that's just a way for me to kind of, I don't know, I kind of feel human in a sense, you know, and it keeps me level-headed, not to get too emotionally involved, um, which I see a lot of lifters do. And I think they use that as a mask and I show some insecurities with that. Mm -hmm. um, I'm in there. I, I try to stay pretty confident within there um, at every attempt mm -hmm. selection. So even my opener, I know I can triple it, you know. I know I can double it, but it's still one of those things that, you never know yeah, that it's day. Yeah, it is in the back of your head. And then once you get that, once I get that first squad in, everything else is a joke. I get in there, I have fun. Yeah. And after that, it's I've done too many meets back when I was in gear um, and training multiply and stuff like that. Literally, I would open with the world record. You know, can't do that anymore. I was yeah. chasing numbers, and it's all about having fun now. Yeah. Um, and how would you – so, obviously, I mean, I would say the same thing. Is I always told myself the day I would stop feeling nerves – is the day I would stop competing, but as I got older, I think I, I changed my perspective on nerves, and I, maybe I stopped calling it that, and it was kind of like a, I'm anxious to compete. I didn't give it a title, per se, and I think a lot of us have those feelings, uh, but I realized as I, I started getting pretty good at strongman, and it wasn't nerves anymore. It was kind of like a, I was ready to play, like this kind of like when you get a brand new toy as a kid. Excited. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. And, I, and I gave it a new name. This is how it works for myself. I'm very title-oriented. So if I called it nerves, I'd feel nervous. If I said I was scared, I'm going to feel scared. It's just personally. But if I said I'm excited, people are like, you nervous? I'm like, are you, are you ready? I'm like, no, I'm ready, but I'm also excited. 
Yes. And I gave yeah. myself that title so then I can kind of harness it. You know, mm-hmm. out of, I'm fucking scared. Though. Oh, yeah. I'm not yeah. going to give my... Palm on the platform. Yeah. My, my pulse is 180. Right, oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. But I don't, like you said, you know, I try not to title it as nervous or scared because that's mm-hmm. what I'll think about. Yeah, right. I think about the anticipation, how the weight's going to feel. And the most common question everybody gets at a meet is, what are you looking to lift today? Yeah. And uh, well, are you ready? Uh, I'm right. like, uh, why uh, am I here, yeah, motherfucker? Yeah. My response, though, is my openers. Because like Terry <laughs> yeah. said, your opener sets the tone for the day. Mm-hmm. It's right. To me, I view it as my last warm-up. It's something I can hit for, like you said, a triple or with Ebola if I had to I'm right. not going to miss that right. but it gets those nerves or the excitement out of the way you're used to the judges you're used to the platform and you can go from there and then it's playtime yep. it's fun lifting is fun it's just showing off your hard work right? that's what I tell the athletes and um, so this is a good question so we, we do something with a lot of my beginners and, um, I said like my first time lifters or whatever we run mock meets for that concept mm-hmm. um, because I want them to feel that pressure that those nerves, I wanted to see how they set up on their pressure, on their nerves. Obviously, as you become way stronger and more elite, I mean, you don't even need to do all three lifts in a day mm-hmm. anymore because it's too much. Mm-hmm. But one of my favorite things is kind of like what we do in Strawman. We used to run kind of like event day trainings or, or what I would consider like a, like a sparring match where very beginning lifters, we'd run all three lifts in a day. We'd have the environment. We'd have the music. We'd have all your peers watching them. Uh, and that would be a good way for me to prepare them for that kind of, which obviously in this sport, especially powerlifting, super mental because you don't get you don't get a second chance like mm-hmm. a strongman. What what if you would give some advice? If you would kind of coach yourself up, what kind of mental tricks do you do in training besides which I can see this is something mm-hmm. that I know the answer to is always preparing the same way, etc. But mm-hmm. maybe elaborate on that a little bit more. We're talking about how do you get on that game because you guys are on the elite level now. What kind of little mental tricks do you do during training that you get there that day and, okay, you're obviously we're all a little nervous, but you're just like, you're, you're ready. Mm-hmm. And I know that besides the physical aspect, if you were to give something mental, little cues. Um, I think the biggest change when I used to go from being nervous before meets to now is I stopped comparing myself against other people. Yeah. You know, when I was coming up and starting in Strongman, Social media was just growing. Yeah. So you go on Facebook and you see a name on the roster and you look it up like, oh shit, this guy's got 50 more pounds than me on a log cleaning bro. I was like, God. Look at his arm. And then look what happens. You psych yourself out before you even got to the meet. And uh, I'm like the senior guy at a meet now, 38. You know, I'm looking at the top 10. And these guys are all in their 20s, and I've got 11 years on every one of them and kids the whole night. They don't even fucking pay rent. I'm just laughing that I'm keeping (laughs) up with them, you know? I'm like, it's, it's, just like, we're, it's a joke to me. Yeah, we're going to mm-hmm. – it's funny because Trevor's got a shirt. We're going to start the freaking episode, but <laughs> everyone's got a game plan until they get punched in the mouth, and that's, you know, that's really Mike Tyson's line. And it's – you have all these ideas, and you can psych yourself out Correct. four months mm-hmm. out, right? Yeah, that is the biggest key is if you want to beat your nerves, don't compare yourself to others because like Jared and I were talking about in the parking lot a little while ago, we have 10, 11 years on you in the sport if you're just mm-hmm. starting. That means in the sport alone, and for some people, I have 20 years on them as far as lifting. Mm-hmm. So if they're comparing themselves to me because we're in the same weight class, I may have 21 more years of lifting on them. That's a lot of time to build the skill, to build the practice, and you've psyched yourself out. So the biggest thing is, where are you now today, and where would you like to be, and what steps do you have to take to get there, is how you're going to prepare yourself mentally to not be nervous or not be psyched out, is only focus on what you can do. Come as a piggyback off that you've you've actually mentioned uh, I think when you did a you did another podcast with uh, Tony you kind of talked about the long-term goals yeah and doing that I think I, that to me that kind of kind of hit a 
hit a nerve in a sense of, you know, really, or not hit a nerve, but kind of struck a chord in which I think a lot of people really go into these meets saying just obsessed with hitting, you know, X number or they want to hit this. It's not about, okay, I want to, you know, you need to be conservative with your attempts. Um, If you look back at my training, you know, I'm going through, I'm extremely conservative. I know I can hit everything. So I'm going in extremely confident. You know, second, third attempts, I'm just having fun. You know, because like we said earlier, it's as soon as you hit the opener, you're good. But one of the things that kind of resonated with me was those long-term goals. Okay, you 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 said you you mentioned earlier. You know, you want to get to you know 400 kilos. Right. Well, everyone yeah. said, "When are you going to pull it?" Yeah, I yeah, said, yeah. Before I'm 40. Yeah. I gave myself 19 months. I'm yeah. in no rush. Yeah. 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 It's just it's these long-term goals, and you know, I tried to. I started realizing that for me making these kind of long-term goals instead of, you know, trying to, you know, get a record every meet. Right. You can't do that. You can't sustain that. No. You hit a, you hit that ceiling and then it comes crashing down, you know, then it doesn't become fun anymore and you, you get run down and get out of it. And, you know, I had to learn the hard way, you know, when I did that. And we all do. And I, like, yeah. that's something that, uh, it's something I spoke about. Um, I was talking about this before and it was something that Trevor said, which was really great. And I owned up to it too, is, you know, sometimes people get hurt and then people discredit everything you've done mm-hmm. before. And I was talking about this earlier with, with you, John, and it was, it's not that I didn't know how to lift. And Trevor said it perfectly during his seminars, like, that my passion overcame my discipline. And I was right. like, that stuff that punched me right in the dick. And I was like, yes. And I think that a lot of us, um, I think most of us who are chasing something big, eventually run into these things. And some of us are lucky enough to either have somebody to tell us to stop or a coach or smart enough to to kind of realize what's going on, or some of us, in my case, keep going until the days that we have no other choice. No other choice. And this really brings up to my other concept is, now that you guys are chasing these numbers in these, in these long-term adventures, you know, it's really the adventure becomes ageless. It's kind of like we, you guys are falling in love with this process. How much of it would you say it's not necessarily about this constant like dick measuring contest where you're just going, 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 and how much of it is this stepping back and analyzing and maybe taking a step back to go too forward and stopping yourself. Um, how much of it would you say that plays a role into going forward? Not only for short-term girls, mm-hmm. obviously short-term girls could be like, go- girls. Why am I saying girls? <laughs> I like them short girls too. It's okay. <laughs> short-term girls? That's yeah. why we're in Miami? Uh, but uh, goals um, and say how much of that has come from just literally taking a step back and kind of swallowing your pride and say, mm-hmm. Like the belt list thing we yeah. talked about, and yeah. well, Trev, you suffered a fucking crazy back oh, injury. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, how did that come into play? I, I honestly think that's the first step in becoming great. Yeah. It's realizing you have to follow a process and a path to get there. Doesn't matter what you're born with, talent-wise. You know, if you're not willing to follow the path and the plan to get there, you're going to get hurt. It's not a matter of if and when in this sport. You're putting it's, yourself under extreme it's loads. It's to... not if and when, and how severe you get hurt. Uh, like you. You know, I was out there and I used to love when I was competing in strongman that I can keep up with some of the heavyweight guys. And it became a pissing contest every single time. Yeah. And it was training. It wasn't even the contest. I yeah. wasn't getting to the contest because yeah. I was breaking down and hurting mm-hmm. because I was trying to outpiss them in training. Yeah. Right. Which is, which is backwards. Yeah. But it takes a kick yoke? in the dick, yeah. like you said, to realize that, that, yeah, we all compete a little bit off of ego, but mm-hmm. you have to put that ego aside. Because if you want to hit your goals, you're going to have to suppress that and follow more discipline than ego. Absolutely. Um, well, I think one of the one, if kind of to build off that is, <clears throat> it's this is not a fucking easy process. Nope. It really you have to you have to break yourself down to really understand where you need to build yourself up. And you know, I, I 
had to do that the hard way. I had to go in. I had to basically just break myself. You know, I pushed, I pushed, I pushed, and just because I refused to, to be weak. And in doing so, I, you know, about broke my hip, you know, going through these lifts. I, I cut 100 pounds off my squat, and it took me, you know, having the worst meet in my life basically just allowed me, Trevor had to, at the end of the meet, basically told me to, you know, shut the fuck up, you know, man up and do it. He's like, you want the strongest fuckers out there, give it time, you'll get back there. And so I kind of took that to heart and, you know, we've, we've been rebuilding um, and it's, it's second time, you know, I took basically a year off of lifting, uh, a year off of competing and just building back the basics and, and doing so it's, I've, it's the strongest I've ever been. Even, I mean, I'm getting, I'm within 200 pounds of my, you know, geared squat. That's fucking bananas. Yeah. And I, it's a lot, so we, I, I know anybody over 30 as an adult, uh, <laughs> and if you're paying rent, congratulations in your 20s. And it's something I think that we have, uh, and I, when, I say, when I say young lifters, I mean young IQ-wise or young experience, because I know guys who are in their 30s who might as well be 16, and I have guys who are 20, or guys and girls who are 19 and are seasoned mentally. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I remember having these conversations with them and this concept of uh, it's obviously it's, it sounds cliche, but it isn't when you experience it. It's, it's exactly how you come back from these adversities. Mm-hmm. And obviously this transcends into any kind of part of your life. But it typically is you have these either bad meets, you have these injuries or you have this kind of like wake up call and you have no way to, be, to, to go but forward. And most of us are like, look, I've been here. Don't go down this path. And it's, it's kind of why I wanted, first of all, to have this fucking podcast in general is because when you have experience alike, because I tell people, yeah, I mean, I've been doing sports for 11 years and really shitty sports. And they, the same concept is the same. Like, I can't tell you how many times I should have not trained through minor concussions mm-hmm. and how much brain damage and all that shit. And rugby and how much hangovers I shouldn't have played through. But <laughs> I'll see you at the VA. Gainesville, <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah. It's a good thing you know a PhD who happens to work with this kind of movie. Well, I mean, uh-huh, like, yeah. us doctors <laughs> should stick together. How long did it take for you to get your PhD? Uh, five years. It take three months. I got it five online. Years. It was awesome. Guys, easy. It's like no problem. Nothing. <laughs> it's like PhD of drinking. Uh, so they just hand them out now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like those therapy dogs that you can just get online. <laughs> I'm like a therapy lifter. I just like hang out with the little vest. I'm like, don't do that. That's <laughs> not a bad idea. Calm down. Let's do some bird dogs. Um, that's actually hilarious. Oh my god! I'm gonna put a picture of me in a therapy like vest therapy on, on a bird dog. <laughs> oh my god! Write that down. Uh, so, and and I know you guys. Well, you're all coaches and you're established lifters. How many times have you had this conversation? As I do as I say, do as I say, not as I do. And some of the troubles you've run into. Um, obviously, you have numbers and experience, but not always. Right. You you mm-hmm. know, one year after your meet, one year after your injury. It's been a long year for you guys, and, and throughout that experience, not everyone's going to listen to that concept. Mm-hmm. Uh, what kind of like difficulties have you ran into talking to young lifters, and again, I mean young in the sense of how long they've been in the sport, about taking their time? And the obvious thing we say a lot on this, the mm-hmm. marathon, not a sprint, which is yeah. everywhere. Like, uh, if you want to just touch and base and talk about that, because I, I, I mean, we fucking literally have to deal with this all the mm-hmm. time. And the social media aspect of suddenly, <laughs> I got 600, like, bro, 700 is there. I'm like, I was about to right, right. on the table. I'm just, like, you have no <laughs> idea. Just got 600, 700 soon. No, not yeah, that soon. soon. <laughs> Hashtag soon. Soon. Not that soon. It's perspective. That's the hard part is communicating. Like, if you confront someone and say, do as I say and as I do, they're going to dismiss you right away. Oh, yeah. 
you have to be able to reach them on a different level and, and explain that perspective, use examples of other lifters, get them to relate. You know, that's probably the hardest part of coaching is being able to relate to the lifter, build a rapport, because you have to build trust and buy-in to get them to go to that next level. Mm -hmm. Because if they don't trust you and they don't believe in you, one, they shouldn't have freaking hired you in the first place. Mm -hmm. But if they don't, they're not gonna follow the plan, they're not gonna get there. You know, communication is so undervalued as a coach. And, uh, you know, I tend to talk too much, but that's communication. (laughs) It's better than not talking. I was a quiet child, this is an odd upbringing for me. Some might say you love too much. Yes, I have a lot of love. (laughs) Me too, I'm a philanthropist myself. (laughs) Mike and I give each other a lot of hugs and we see each other meet, and then my wife forgets that she's seen him like three times. She's like, like, here? Hey, nice to meet you, I'm like. Yeah, yeah. it's hilarious, she forgets Mike. He's like the most outlandish looking guy in the world. Yeah, I'm like, you're the only one, and I feel really bad now. It brings the coach's temperament out, because he like, just accepts he's like okay yeah, you know, I was yeah. like, okay i'll say hi to you again I'm gonna watch yes. you bench and record. you're gonna do that as a coach you're gonna repeat yeah. yourself over and over and over again and i like to tell lifters that the difference between a genius and a fool is the genius learns from the fool's mistakes mm. you're gonna make mistakes along the way but if you can learn from the fool's mistakes you're gonna learn that much faster and you're gonna hurt that much less That's i was a fool. Learns yeah exactly i was a fool and i hurt bad mm. you know and that was that was passion and passion really shouldn't trump everything. Passion drives you, but discipline gets you there. Yeah. yeah. You know, we talk about that a lot when I was down here, you know. It's putting those two together. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's one thing I've always said. It's coach, discipline, and passion. And I always preach that. And then I, I became blinded. Yeah. Super, it's mm-hmm. super easy to get blinded in a certain part, especially when you train alone, man. Yeah. Like, I basically had somebody giving me programming, and you let a wild animal loose at the gym every night. What, what do you think is going to happen? Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I didn't have the perspective. You right. Because you know how it is in strong, man. Like you have oh, to travel yeah. five hours just to sure. get three other guys who are not coaching you. Right. They're just trying to beat you. Yeah. You know, not that I, I obviously have had some coaches too locally, but it gets really difficult. Um, so yeah, exactly. That's actually really Yeah, good. I always spend four hours every Saturday training in a guy's garage that smelled like gasoline just because, uh, you know, he had all the influence and he was a pro. He had the experience and that's yep. what you did. And that he really did. explains a lot. It, yeah. it does, right? The gas, <laughs> the gas fumes got to me. Full but, circle. You know, everyone would miss a lift and they'd go, why did I miss that? And, he, and Heath would just scratch his head and like, mm, just get stronger. Yeah. yeah, just, just, just get, get stronger. stronger yeah. You know, yep. and that's true. You weren't strong enough. You missed yep. it because you weren't strong enough. Yep. So if you were strong enough, you wouldn't have missed it. And you're around that OG, well, we're talking about OG <laughs> mentality because yeah. I love it. But we're just talking about this. Mm-hmm. About people not respecting. I don't want to sidetrack. I'm gonna write this down. No, we got because it, it, we, means uh, and the doc were talking earlier about, you know, working your way up in a gym, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and not to sidetrack. But man, you have a the, the gym culture nowadays is so completely different. I come from a martial artist. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, we we're just talking about this, right? Yeah, yeah. Just, I mean, it's the whole hierarchy of things. You know, you look at it. You got to put in the groundwork. You have to understand. There's gonna be there's gonna be a some bitch out there that's a lot stronger than you. There's gonna be a guy that knows a lot more than you. There's gonna be you know someone who's worked that much harder than you. And some of these people just they just take it for granted. They come in. Uh, we've got a couple people at the gym. You know, that have great potential, but they just are not receptive to any feedback. You try to give them something. You say, "Hey, let's let's improve upon this." Yeah, go and fill that zip. Um, but it's it's one of those things that they just don't respect it. And you know, we've I grew up and really got my my start of it. Um, basically, I was the low man on the totem pole, and it was I had to work. I had to change the plates. I had to uh, you know clean up afterwards. But you know, it made me you know who I am. And, you know, it's a lot of that comes just from being a decent human being, you know, and most of these little, most kids now are just super entitled. I mean, I, I'm not even going to get into some and, of the uh, students I have, but, you know, in the past <laughs> and stuff. But, uh, you know, it's, it's one of these things that people just expect 
you to bend over backwards for them to do this and expect like, okay, well, I'm, you know, it kind of goes back to listening to what we talked about earlier, listening to your coach and, you know, understanding that they put a lot of time and effort into doing that. And so when you deviate from that, not only is it kind of disrespecting the coach, disrespecting your coach but it's also disrespecting yourself yeah. in the sense that you're not really giving yourself exactly what you need I mean the, the coach may not know everything but they've got that knowledge you've hired them for a reason yep. we just had so we had this conversation that's kind of made me laugh uh, so we've had several seminars here and it was something I was talking to John earlier too it's when you put somebody sometimes on a certain platform and this is the first, the thing I wanted you guys to lift here besides just lifting was to watch the execution of everything you've learned from yourselves and everybody else, right? Mm -hmm. When you two walk up to the bar, it's like it could be a million pounds or one pound. You guys come with the same energy, the same confidence, the same execution. Mm -hmm. And I told that to these guys. We had Brian Carroll here. We had Jaffe here. We had you guys here. Suddenly, you guys show up, and everybody forgets how to fucking deadlift. Yeah. I'm like, you know how to fucking deadlift. Like, I go, just, like, execute your confidence so that they can coach you at your best day. Because mm -hmm. that is why I bring you guys down here. Mm -hmm. It's because I don't want you to come down here and be like, okay, you have to lower your hips. Like, it's basic shit. Yeah. You guys are like, I'm like, sh show them. Because then you're, besides discrediting everything you've ever learned, you're discrediting yourself as an athlete. Go up there because if you're nervous around two coaches, what do you think you're going to do when you're in front of 300 people and, and yourself on a platform or on a, you know, at a competition day or whatever? Right. And that's, that, that comes from this particular gym culture and this mm -hmm. working, that building, what we always call here, eating your shit sandwich. Yeah. And it's not an old man rant, although I love <laughs> I love them. By the way, I fucking love that Take shit. Old man rambling. Yeah, and it's it's not that. It doesn't doesn't matter what age you are because I believe like this. When I was I was a martial artist first, I cleaned the gym, I cleaned the bathrooms, I had to do everything. And I was 22, and I thought 21. I, this is the way it should be. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it kind of all meshes together because that builds that hardship that, hey man, you know why I'm lifting with you guys today? Because I fucking earned it. Mm -hmm. And you go up to that bar. Like you earned it. Like, you know, if I were to deadlift today with you guys, if I had to, I'd be deadlifting one red plate like I'm a motherfucking badass. Right. Even though it's ridiculous because yeah. I believe in myself. And also I'm like, hey, man, if I'm doing something wrong or they can help me, I'm going to show you the best that I can do so you can right. fine tune that, right? And it was literally going on. I can hear in the background while I was lifting, Jared was pointing out things that I was doing and vice versa. While he was lifting, I was pointing out things that you're doing. There's you know, only one way to do it. Yeah. Get your best. Exactly. And it's great to have an example in front of you that you can point out. Instead of just doing it yourself and saying, hey, look at me. I'm pointing out on somebody else and saying, look what he's doing so masterfully. You know, you can do that too. Yes. You just got to practice that skill. Find the pattern. You know, don't rush the mm -hmm. setup. Patience, I, patience, patience, patience. Patience. Oh, absolutely, man. Mm -hmm. uh, 60 seconds is a long time on the platform. 60 yeah. seconds Use is a long time, ladies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Take notes. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell are you? <laughs> Three minutes is a heavyweight round. <laughs> Um, and so there's something you guys touched on. Uh, it was about it was about learning, like about losing and it's something we I talked about in a video, especially as coaches, as leaders. I always bring this up, um, and it's it's learning. It's a concept of you guys. This I'm bringing this up in the sense of I would love agreement and disagreement. It's not mm -hmm. necessarily a question. Right. Uh, when I said that I said leadership and coaching. It's, we talked about online coaching, that client coach relationship, and the trust that it takes time and it. It's really accepting as a coach that you're going to lose a lot more than you're going to win. And I, you guys can disagree with me if you want. I would love to open this into interpretation and conversation. I always tell people that 
as an athlete, you're drilled as win, 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 win. You know, it's just the way it's either you're winning or you're not. But as you mature as an athlete, you realize that in your losses, there is way more winning. And you start to not necessarily train to lose, but you accept losing as it's a completely different perspective. Like we said, nerves to mm -hmm. excitement. As a coach, when I thought about coaching at first was everyone I train needs to win. If they're not winning, then I'm doing something wrong. It's just the way it is. And if they're not accepting what I'm saying, if they're not learning what I'm saying, that's losing. You know, and if they disagree with me, I'm like, fuck off, you know, mm -hmm. whatever. You're young, you get dumb. But I realize that as a leader, as a coach, as a businessman, as anything, really, you start to understand that if you get in there with the understanding that you're going to lose more. But here's an example. You guys know both coaching. You go through four months of prep. How many disagreements, questions, borderline bickering, like ugh, grinding that late night text where you're like, I don't know if I'm going to do this. You're like, motherfucker. And you're doing it. That's losing, really. You're, mm -hmm. you're kind of losing sleep. You're losing, you know. But then they get that one deadlift PR and you're like, this is what four months was worth, like everything, that one quote unquote win. Um, and I'm going to ask you guys if you feel like you can relate to that, both because uh, you guys are leaders, obviously, mm -hmm. in your world. Obviously, your coaches, people respect what you're saying. Do you guys feel some sort of a kinship, like, like idea to that? Like, do you understand where I'm coming from? This is not a question. It's just, mm -hmm. I'm curious. No, I, I had the philosophy that you learn more from a loss than you do from a win. Mm -hmm. If you walk out of that meet going nine for nine, hit everything, it's easy. What did you learn? Yeah. Nothing. Nothing. It feels great. Yeah. I have not done it in 11 years of strength sports. I had a perfect mm -hmm. day, which means I'm testing myself. You know, I can go out there. I, I kind of do that with beginners. I like to have them go a nine for nine day on their first meet. I'm yeah. a little conservative and protecting because I want them to have a good experience. I confidence. Never done it myself. Yeah, confidence building on the platform. But you're gonna learn more from a loss. Yeah. What can I do better? And if you don't lose and if you hit every rep and you walk out of there nine for nine, you may not learn for the next cycle. And then where are you gonna go? Because you're not gonna go nine for nine every single meet for the, your entire career in strength sports. You're gonna have moments where you're gonna have be challenged. And it's those character building moments of how you handle adversity. Yeah. So fail fast, fail forward, fail as many times as you can because that's how you're gonna learn. I don't mean fail reps in the gym. Yeah, 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 I yeah. just mean find ways that you're challenged. Fail forward. Fail man. forward and fail fast God, because then you're not gonna that. find ways that you're challenged and you're not gonna be able to build. Mm -hmm. right. And you know, if you do miss a rep in training or you miss an exercise or you miss a day, you have to let your coach know so they can program around that or help you or talk you through it. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what your mock meet is for, is to build that confidence on the platform before the platform. They're gonna fail here after mock meeting, right? You know, you're yeah. gonna fail in the meet. You're gonna so miss an says, opener. Oh, aren't you nervous? You're gonna miss it. Well, that's what I'm here to do. Mm -hmm. Either mm -hmm. I make it or I don't. And yeah, I'm nervous. I'm gonna miss it. And but I'm more nervous that what if I make it? Yeah. Then where can I go? Oh, that's man. where that excitement builds up. Yeah. You know. What if, what if I'm there? I, I only train heavy around Jared. It's kind of funny. <laughs> I like train lighter than anybody in the entire world because mm -hmm. I'm old and I do a lot of compensatory acceleration training. And I looked at Jared and he wanted to beat me and. <laughs> I saw it. I was like, holy Go, shit. Yeah. So I looked at him it. and everyone's like, oh, your seven levels real fast. I'm looking, I'm like, six reds and a yellow. And he's like, yeah, yeah all right. Let's do it. All right. Sandwiches. So uh, I didn't want to know what was on the bar. Your, your buddy behind you there told me it was on the bar. I'm like, shit. Yep. So my, my anticipation yeah. didn't go from what if I'm going to make this? I knew if I was going to make this. I'm like, shit, where do I go now to meet if I make this? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, now, yeah, yeah. now fuck, the pressure's yeah. on to beat Mine, this. I hope now you we have a con them. Yeah. Just fuck my dirty yep. mind, bro. Yep. But, you know, sometimes I think as a coach, no matter what you say, you know, sometimes you just have that lifter that needs to needs to fail. Yeah. You need to let them fail. You know, you try so hard to, you know, okay, look, let's follow follow the plan. Let's do this. You explain the plan. A, if you're a coach and you can, can explain your rationale, you don't mean, need to be a fucking coach. But it's one of those things that 
you know, I've had so many people that, you know, like you said, that you get the late night text, hey, um, you think I go, you know, 700 squat next time. Well, that's 60 pounds more than you have programmed. Yes. No. It's like, yeah, but, you're but three six, fucking, you know, you got, you got time. 630 came this. up easy, though, but, coach. You, you know, and, but you have, you have these people that do this, and, you know, you know they're capable of doing it. You know they are, and they can hit it in the gym. But, you know, it's more long-term. And you have others that, you know, hey, I want to go in and I want to, uh, you know, do three extra days of doing this. Well, you're training at 90%. No, you can't do this. No. You know, you're at 90% here. You know, you haven't, you, you trained six days a week. We got we to gotta bring down that intensity. We got to bring down that volume. And they're just, in some cases, they're not going to, you know, really listen to you in some, in some instances. And so sometimes, okay, try it. Try it and then come back to me and see yeah. what happens. And 10 out of 10 times, they come yeah. back, you were right. You got yeah. to let them a little loose. I've, I've, I failed. I've done this. I'm telling you from personal experience. And it's like, I failed, but I also hung out with guys. Oh, I just talked about it. I also hung out with other guys that failed doing <laughs> yeah, the same yeah, shit. Yeah. I'm like, hey, I, I, I talked about this earlier in, some, in an instance story. I was like, there's a, when, when you're at the bottom, there's a difference between losers and people that lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a very big difference. Mm-hmm. Like, losers... And I don't, and I, and I mean that negatively too. They they have no conceptualization of what why they're losing, and they don't accept anything outside of that perspective. Yeah. That's a loser. Like they just closed it. Somebody that lost, you're like, hey man, you know why this happened? Because of this. And they look at you you're like, you're right. Like I need help. Help me. You know. And there's a difference between somebody that's lost and it's just it's gonna climb out of that hole, and a loser who's gonna just nest in there, and they're gonna be those they're the first ones to dog your mm-hmm. shit. They're the first ones to ne- like negatively talk about your perspective. They have to yeah. talk you down to build themselves yeah, yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. need and to I'd bring build everybody else. Me yeah. too, man. Like because the people around you, if they're growing stronger, so are you. Yeah. Yes. Your network's growing stronger. Your mm-hmm. your mindset's growing stronger. You show up at meets. You're excited to see everyone. Yeah. But you know, it's sports filled with people who just talk others down, and it's, it, it's because they're in, like you said, they're insecure. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it, it comes from. It, I 100 agree. It's like we we so. You end up you and then you end up what you attract people like that. Yeah. You can call them whatever you want, haters, losers, whatever. And I, I typically always laugh about concepts like that. I'm like, yeah, you know, whatever. I love my haters, whatever. But when you're actually here's an example. It's like Louis said a long time ago. He's like, yeah, a good coach is hard to find too, but a better team is even harder to find. Yeah. Because I can't tell you how many groups of people I both in fighting, which is it's rough, rugby, uh, powerlifting, and strongman, where you have five guys. And you think they're all cool, but three of them are like talking shit behind your back, it or two or whatever. Or they're you know they're not really supporting you, yeah. or they're the kind of guys who are like, is that oh you got pussy? But you they say it negatively. Yeah. It, when you have a crew of one or two, four guys who you really feel that genuine energy, like hey man, these guys really want me to succeed. You are literally on the level of Valhalla, and like we say here, like everything ends, bro. You better ride that wave because you know one guy moves away, one guy gets hurt, one mm-hmm. guy gets kids or married whatever they got to stop um but yes it's it's if when you take that leadership role of building everybody up around you one of the things my muay thai coach told me when we used to he always beat my ass now he's older so i can beat him up <laughs> i hope he's not listening <laughs> he told me he's like i'm gonna train you so you can beat my ass yeah and i've told many lifters that yeah. my job is to make you stronger than me uh, right like oh, i feel yeah. like that transcends yeah. sports right yeah, yeah. i mean and and everything i mean as a as a teacher you know, I go out and I see the students and, you know, I'm a, I'm a Ph.D. You know, most of them, they're going to try to to go on to med school, you know, be uh, real doctors. Like us. Uh, yeah, like us, us you okay. know. But, uh, that, Just wanted you to clarify <laughs> that, doctor. Yeah. Thank you. But we, uh, doctor. Uh, but one of those things we, we, we've 
really uh, I think as coaches as as seniors both in in life more so for Trevor but um, <laughs> the bourbon's <laughs> kicking in but um, it's it's one of those things you want to see people do good you generally want to see them succeed you know I have people come to me uh, office hours and stuff asking questions and yeah I fucking love that they come in they generally want to learn they they just don't want to do better on the exam they want to learn yeah. they want to apply this and then you have training partners you know that do the same thing they'll ask questions you know why are we doing this way oh shit this he wants to get stronger or you see them given that 100 percent effort in the gym they're coming in every day they're coming in doing this you know going you know going home super late hey i can't train to well i want to train with you so i'm gonna you know skip this to come train with you and do this and because i know training with you is going to make me better you know and it's one of those things that you have to sacrifice for that and it, like we said in the uh, in the seminar, you know, it's it's working out. It's hard work. It's not an easy out. Yeah. And so we got to move forward with that, and you know, people have to take that, you know, that understanding and really just take and run with it. Mm-hmm. And it, it's again, I feel like it starts from day one. Yeah. Um, and as far as you know, being a gym owner uh, and a coach and, and an athlete at the same time, and a doctor, and a doctor, and a doctor. Uh, a doctor. It was several months of uh, applying to online. <laughs> stuff right and you know how it is so know, yeah yeah last one in the classroom what is it first one in the classroom last one out you know yeah, yeah bro, it's whatever. good yeah it's like the doogie hauser except not so the next question um <laughs> the good doctor <laughs> and it, it it starts with that particular like it's one of the things we i, I love to I, I actually pride myself on um and i mentioned sometimes like i won't talk myself down if I really believe that what I'm doing is right and one of the best things I've ever done is create a culture of a gym culture mm-hmm. you I don't care if you don't believe in what I do or what I say or my I don't really care but as far as creating a gym culture a clan a family I prided myself on that because from day one you establish these like look bro if you're throwing something if you're disrespecting the guy next to you you it's not the place for you yeah and yeah. I, right doesn't that feel you remember like- in the summer um junkyard Oh. You called him on the fucking deadlift. So I'm yeah. like, you need to turn around and thank him for calling. Yeah, him yeah oh my god, deadlift. it was like a double call yeah. out. I'm yeah, like, you are lucky. I go, Dude. you could have sit there and let you lie and say this, and I'm like, no, your coach cares enough to say bullshit. That's not how you pull. Yeah, no. so so yeah. quick story. So uh, Trevor uh, was giving us the deadlift. Well, actually, a powerlifting seminar was awesome. So we're on the deadlift part. One of my particular guys, junkyard. Shout out to you, good man too. Yeah, actually, he's a good, he's a good guy. And uh, he deadlifted, and the first thing because I remember watching him, Jeff. He's like. Is that like how you that deadlift? You and he like, looks yeah. at me and he, he looks at him and he nods his head. Yeah, I'm like, no, it's not, motherfucker. <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> and, and it was like a double call out. Jeff's like, yo, that's he had been that's taking a good notes, team. watching the cues. He, sure he went last. He, bar, he made sure it was absolutely perfect. Yeah. Yep. And Mike's like, I'm like, you do not pull like that all the time. I've seen and it. You, you have to be willing to admit that, not only to yourself, but you yeah. have to have somebody in the room who's willing to call you on that. Yes. And he and bro, he took it and because stride if you like to be a better, G. You have to be open, like you're open about, you know. If somebody sees something you don't, listen to them. Yeah. You're in the fight. You don't always see the fight. That's why they have cornermen. We talk about this a mm-hmm. lot. You know, your perspective is skewed when your adrenaline's going or how it felt. Oh, and, uh, you know, that's why I say how it feels is a lie. You know, yeah. uh, you can pick up a boy. God, that felt heavy. And then you look at it and be like, shit, that moved easy. Yeah. 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 How you feel is a lie sometimes. It's what you tell yourself psychologically. And that's, you know, where you're going to go from. So to have a room full of people who are willing to say, no, no, this did great. This did better. You know, you need to change this. Or you're not noticing that you're rounding over. That's accountability yeah. in the group. 
and that's so underrated. You, you know, if you're training with a group, you should have that accountability. The top guy to the bottom guy should be able to tell you you're not doing something. Yep, and it, I, I said to you, a coach is only as strong as, as, as his dumbest lifter. Yeah. So I, I can't tell if these guys will fucking attest. They're training, it's quiet. Yep. I was like, there's no motherfucker in this fucking room that's perfect. Mm-hmm. There's no reason why I should be quiet. Yeah. Say something, even if it's like, good job, motherfucker, or squeeze tight, something. I'm like, if it's a quiet powerlifting room, if it's a quiet strength room, there's something wrong. As a team, like, hey, man, you can go heavier. Hey, you should go lighter. Hey, your hips are high. Hey, dude, that was. A- I'm not asking you to coach because people are paying me for that service, and sometimes you kind of dance on that uncomfortable line, you know, yeah. I'm not confident to coach. It's not coaching, it's cueing. Cueing and encouraging. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's reinforcing things that you know are fundamentally right. Like, if the form is breakdown, it doesn't take a fucking badass to be like, dude, that was a shitty deadlift. Right. It, it really doesn't. Right. It might take, an, it might take a, an elite coach to pinpoint an elite lifter shit. Mm-hmm. Like, it could be literally the difference between where the thumb was on a finger, right, like within like a millimeter or like a small movement of the mm-hmm. wrist. Yeah, that's, that's different. I'm not asking for that. And I, uh, you, can, you can ask these guys here when they train on Saturdays. It's like, and that, I feel like that builds that culture, mm-hmm. that team, that concept. Uh, and that brings me to my next point. Um, we're, we're talking, I think, um, Trev, you were talking about client-coach relationship. Again, I was talking to a client earlier today. It was a lot of good conversations, and he asked me. He goes, Mike, at the beginning of our, our programming, first of all, online programming is very difficult. I yeah, know you guys, yeah. it's, it's mm-hmm. hard on us, I think, mm-hmm. because it doesn't always represent how you are. I know, Trevor, you're very communicative, so I can only imagine you mm-hmm. was a PhD in biomechanics and having to read an email or a text mm-hmm. or see a video one lift at a time. Anyways, it's really hard because sometimes you feel like you're not hands-on and that person might not be able to represent what you want them to, yeah. and it's like a delayed reaction. But you talked about client-coach relationship. And he messaged, he told me, he goes, you know, at the beginning, you used to do a lot of banded deadlift. And how come, you know, he's like, he asked me very respectfully. He's, I noticed that we don't do it as much. I go, well, two answers. A, I've evolved and I've learned more as a coach. It's not that I don't believe in banded deadlift. Is that I saw that it was taking you out of your, your plane. It was, mm-hmm. it was, you weren't ready for a banded deadlift. Yeah. And I learned that through experience of two things, learning more and talking to more people and uh, there's no way any coach can tell you they know everything they need to know. If they do, heads up, you should fire them. Uh, if they're not doing their due diligence of learning everything, something every year, every month, every mm-hmm. day. And number three, I learned you. I learned what you needed. I, yeah. knew, I realized you're very, very fast. So you need to get fucking stronger. When we're talking about the speed application right, and stuff, yeah, I love yeah, that. Yeah. Um, and I'll ask you guys both as, as coaches, because obviously you know the answer. How hard is that for you? Hard, difficult, maybe easy? to help them understand that takes time. I know both of you guys work with mm-hmm. some elite people. Uh, and elite people tend to really understand that, right? Yeah. But the beginner is the kind of person that goes, oh, I did, I did conjugate. I'm like, no shit, how many years? They're like, oh, years? <laughs> yeah. No, I yeah, did yeah, it for yeah. one training cycle. Yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah, three yeah. months, <laughs> right? Or they have a coach. They're like, how many coaches? Well, I had like four coaches. I'm like, ooh, red flag. I'm yeah. like, mm-hmm. how do you, like, have you guys, again, let's just, I just want to shoot the shit on that. Have you guys run into those kind of bumps and, and conversations where you have to explain that? Sure. You yeah. run into a lot, especially with the newer lifter, because they see things and they want to try it. You know, uh, yeah. can I use bands? Can I use chains? Oh, can we train West Side? Like, well, tell me yeah. what West Side is first. Yeah. Right. Well, it's bands Read and chains. No, no, it's not. <laughs> no. It's not bands and chains. It's deep. You know? yeah. It's deep. yeah. It's different. Than that. If you don't tra- train at West Side, you don't train West Side. It's the, the common saying, you know? Yeah. Unless Louis programming yourself, it's I've not West Side. I've yeah. said that myself. But that, that's, the, that's the challenge with the newer lifter. 
is the excitement that they want to try different things that mm-hmm. may not apply to them. And that's what you have to explain yeah. that your positioning isn't great yet. We can't add a commenting resistance because you're still learning your motor patterns mm-hmm. and doing things. Mm-hmm. And then you have the opposite of that sometimes with an extra special elite lifter where they've gotten by because they're so strong with bad motor patterns and mechanics. And you have to say, hey, we need to taper back a little bit and start mm-hmm. working on how you're moving so you can add more weight to the bar. Right. Because you're either technical or strong and a very good lifter is both. And it's hard to be both. That's mm-hmm. the hardest thing. And that's where having that environment around you where someone can point out where you're breaking down really, really helps. Yeah, yeah for sure. I think one thing with, you know, to kind of go back to that, to kind of build on, you know, most of these, I don't know, they, they just automatically think that as soon as they get a coach, they're going to add 100 pounds to their total. It's unreal, unrealistic. I mean, some of these people, you know, novice people or experienced people, you know, we as coaches really have to take some time to really understand and really get to know them. So, okay, the first couple of weeks, we're still learning what you can handle, you know, and then seeing where you're weak at. You know, the, one of the big things that we do, we, we take that belt away. Yep. First thing we do, take the belt away, because that's going to show every weakness you have. And then from there, I can further build upon and improve, right. you know, ultimately I'm to make you better. But again, we have to kind of dial that back because you're not as strong. You're not as good. Like you, you you're, you're, right. you're, yeah, your patterns off, um, the way you, you activate the different muscle groups, you know, the, the amount of force you generate, you know, um, the isometric contractions, everything you're doing during that movement is off just by taking the belt away. And it's a hard, hard concept for them to understand. They just automatically think, well, I have a coach. I should be getting stronger each week. It's a learning process. We're learning too. And a lot of them just, they won't, they won't accept that. And then you start to get into dialogue and you, un- you make them understand, you know, this way or that way. Or like I said earlier, you make them learn the hard way, yeah. you know, have them fail. And then they say, okay, well, you were right. See, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm just yeah. trying to help just you. Kind of yeah, like, yeah. The myth of a magical program yeah, or a magical yeah, coach. Yeah, and yeah. It, it happens because a lifter is new and they're six months in or nine months in and they go to their first meet. And then they go to the second meet and they've gained 50 pounds on their deadlift. And they think that's going to happen every single yeah, meet. Yeah. And I'm like, no, you're not going to be pulling 1,000 pounds by your second meet. Yeah, it's not yeah. going to happen. But what? the stronger you get, the slower the progress is. It's yeah. crazy. I know it sucks. I'm sorry. Yeah. But that's what it is. And then it's yeah. fine-tuning. You yeah. know, someone at Jared's level who's squatting 800, deadlift around 800, it's fine-tuning. Yeah. You mentioned before about the wrist being a certain way. And, and I pointed out to him on before that his he's using a mixed grip again instead of the hook. Yeah. But his underhand, the bar was sliding away from yeah. him. Yep. So he had to remember to keep it pulled in tight. So he came up even. And he did. But it's just small little adjustments yeah. like that. And an experienced coach sees those things. Mm-hmm. You're looking for the energy leak because that's what you need to repair. It's the fine-tuning. Mm-hmm. They're already strong. They're already pretty technical. But you're looking for the little energy leak that you can fine-tune. Right. Because that helicopter makes a difference on that third attempt. Right. You know, in your opener, it's it's you're strong enough that you yeah. can get that even with yeah. the shitty technique. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you can outmuscle it. Yeah. But your third, you have to be proficient yeah. to make it. What our level, like we said earlier, it's you know, five pounds is five pounds. Five pounds is a huge fucking PR for us. What? You know, if I can go in, you know, best squat seven ninety three. If I get seven ninety nine, fuck yeah, dude. Yeah. That's man. that's that's progress. Right. Yeah. Okay. And people say, well, you train for you know six months. Yeah. Point. Yeah. You know, right. I got stronger. Yeah. You know. You did the same thing and you didn't, you it, know? It, it, I, even something you were saying before, and I, was, I, was, I didn't want to bring it up. It's like, okay, let's say for four years you gained like 15 pounds, but you were able to revisit 700 50 times. Mm-hmm. Do you understand how strong, how much that takes both on, like Brian Carroll says, availability over ability? 
that you've been able to deadlift 700 in training maybe 50, mm-hmm. 60 times. The accumulation of that strength mm-hmm. is, is it's, it's huge. Yeah. Okay, but that's what it takes to get those 10 pounds. So people think, oh, I'm at 700, 730, no problem. I'm like, it might take you another year, mm-hmm. two of deadlifting 700 for one and twos or singles and week in, week, not week in, week out, but months in and months mm-hmm. out. That is strength. So yes. remember the first time you pull a big number, you're like, I'm going to shit myself. Yeah. And then the next time you're like, okay, I kind of shit myself, but not a lot. And then it's like, that was pretty good. Then it was like, this is not, it's almost insignificant. You're still focused, mm-hmm. but it's like, I pulled that. And it, it's kind of like an accumulation over years. And that's kind of, you can call it whatever. Some people call it muscle maturity. I don't really care. It's just an accumulation of strength over time. Yes. You're just grinding. You're just becoming a harder stone. Like yeah. a diamond. Just, uh, diamond rice. is built by time and pressure. And so mm-hmm. is strength. Yeah. Right. You can be the coal or you can be the diamond. You have to understand it's time and pressure that's going to get you there. Consistency. I want to be a black diamond. Right? That's, that's oh, awesome. That's my sex. There's actually like a strip club down the street called Black Six to noon, doctor. I'm readjusting only because my butt's getting a little uncomfortable. Nothing else. There's nothing else. Nothing there. So you literally did just shit yourself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Is that what that was? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you guys, you guys smell it? No, I thought that was the humidity, but yeah. no. No, yeah. that's it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, so going on to something that we were talking about um, earlier, uh, not too much earlier, but so you, everyone, I love, uh, listen, I love social media. I'm really good at it. That doesn't mean I don't understand. I mean, I'm, I, I'm really you good. You need a coach to tell you you're not so good at it so you work a little harder. Yeah. I think. Wow. Yeah. Shit. Okay. Well, I'm accepting, <laughs> accepting, accepting social media coaches. Yeah. I a social yeah. media coach. I am basically a fit chick. Uh, so, um, something we talked about. So the simplicity factor. Yeah. Obviously, I think if, you, if you've been listening to the podcast, I always bring up Occam's Razor. I always ask people, you know, give me the simplest answer. Um, and that's something that I pride myself. If you look at my programming right behind me, I erase some of it behind. There's nothing really crazy up there. Yeah. It's typically fucking lunges, some RDLs, some GHR. Obviously, this is a general programming that I tweak to my competitors. You know, obviously, it's something, and then I'll find somebody. I'm like, look, you got to do this, this, this. How much of that, did, and I want to maybe just reiterate the fucking point, and we talked about this in the seminar. Jeffy, you talked about this in the seminar, um, that you'll see something online, um, and variability, this is my opinion, variability for the sake of variability is extremely, I don't want to say dangerous, but useless. Um, it, when you run into new lifters, something, they see something online. They're like, mm-hmm. well, this guy did it, yeah. you know, um, and it's, I'm not even going to call a particular system into play or a particular methodology. I always tell people, I'm like, you know why this gym isn't for everybody? Because if you can't fucking RDL correctly, 315 perfectly, what makes you think that I'm going to put you in a belt squat with a bamboo bar, RDLing 225 with hang kettlebells mm-hmm. facing Mecca and drinking a beer <laughs> and think somehow that that motherfucker is going to make you a better deadlifter mm-hmm. if your RDL is a sack of shit? Yeah. And now I know how you are awesome at social media. That's how I got it. As you can see, I bird dog with kettlebells be, yeah. hanging from me. Be boring. Be yeah. mundane. Be good at doing the exact same thing yeah. every single day because that's what it takes. Mastery. It, it's skill mastery is practicing the same skill over and over and over again until it's no longer a skill or it's no longer a thought process. You are doing it. It's, well, you want to make what's it. What's the word you're using? Uh, you want to make it autonomous. Yes. In that autonomous. sense. That's every, what every, we doctors yeah. use. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's yeah. a fancy yeah. word. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's very clinical. Yeah. Trev, 
It's okay. <laughs> I'm gonna say something like reflex. Yeah. I was gonna say, I was gonna no, say that, like, autonomous. I was yeah. gonna say super repeaty easy style. But if, if, if you're training, training yeah. it's, I think that's yeah. a Korean pop song. Science. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> autonomous. It's new boy band. <laughs> new boy band. Autonomous. New well, you, I mean, I think it comes down to just being, you know, just understanding what are you doing. Okay, if you're competing, if you want to squat, yep. fucking squat. 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 That's it. Okay. You know, you don't have to do, you know, excess, like, you know, obviously, you know, every, there's a, a million different, you know, bars out there, a million different ways you can apply the squat, you know, the Hatfield squat, the Anderson squat, the dead squat, um, all this different stuff. You use the bamboo bar, the, the squat bar, um, power bar, safety squat bar, a million different ways, front, high bar, low bar, uh, you know, front squat. There's a million different ways to do this. But in competition, what do you do? Right. You do a back squat. Yeah, that's it. When and that's one of the things I think a lot of people have trouble with is dialing down and understanding um, these individuals, or really understanding that they need to be very specific in what they do. They don't need to overcomplicate. You don't need to overcomplicate. You know, I we're at the level now. I there's a there's a reason I use bands. There's a reason I use chains. They help me you know, in certain aspects. But it's also the point to where, you know, I know that it can also hurt me in a sense, like me and Trevor had this discussion and, you know, we're we'll we'll continuing to work on, you know, um, but it's, it's one of these, these aspects that I can take that away and I'm okay with that. Very, very simple. I can, I can do a stiff leg deadlift, you know, and I'll be happy with that. Hell, most of my workouts now, I just squat. I do about 10 reps and I fucking leave. Yeah. Again, that's it. It's yeah. awesome. And uh, so, okay. So here's the thing I want to, I want to bring up. I think when a lot of people see that, and uh, some of the things you say, some both of you say, it's like, look, it's very specific. Yeah. And people just, you're like, look, this is what I've been doing. I'm at this level, and this is what I do. And they're like, no, I didn't listen to that. How many times you squat? Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm doing. I squat yeah. ten singles. I'm fucking leaving. Yeah. And. And I explained it during the seminar. It's like, and one of the things you said maybe like a thousand times was, <laughs> guys, it's very specific. It varies. This is what, not that necessarily what's working for me in the kind of like ridiculous sense, is that this is what I need to do at this level. Yeah. And I, I, I think we've all come across this concept. When, when you're at a point where there's two, I believe, that there's two types of people that are really, really simple in their training. Beginners. And the best. Yeah. yeah. In the middle is when you're going to do stupid shit. You know, oh, okay, I do this with the band. I get it. Variation we all need to take a variation. variation. Yeah. And we all kind of have to go yeah. through that, both as coaches and athletes. We need to know what a cambered, banded, chain, you know, out of a fucking mono on a boss squad. We kind of need to know what that feels mm -hmm. like as coaches and athletes in a sense. But to do it over time, a bunch of times, for no reason other than to do it, you need to accept that you're learning a movement, you're learning a particular pattern. But that may not be uh, furthering your strength or whatever your particular goals are, right? Yeah. Um, and strongman, which I believe is probably one of the most intricate and one of the most fun ways of uh, programming and understanding sport. You know, yeah, there's variability, but like I told you earlier, it's like typically we work what from the program or the competition backwards. Right. Yeah. And that's why an older strongman typically is a better strongman because they've had eight, nine, ten years of working what, 60, 70, 80 types of lifts? Mm -hmm. um, or in powerlifting, it, it, I don't know there's three lifts. Yeah. It comes with way more complicated choices in the sense of 
you have three lifts with a bunch of paths to get there and people get really deviated very quickly because they're like, okay, well, it's the bench. Cool, bro. If I train it 10 different ways, for sure, yeah. I'm going to get better at the bench. Where typically, most experienced guys would be like, you're going to get better at 10 different ways. Yes, yeah. you're yeah. going to get really yeah. good at the banded bench. Yeah. Specialize yeah. in the accessory instead of yeah. the main lift. Unless it, it has a particular purpose, yeah. right? Which is we're talking about variance for the sake of... Yeah, you variance know, for the sake of variance. Yeah. That just means you're bored. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're bored, this is probably not the best sport. It's no. not. It's expect like to get to a high how many, level. You ask a boxer, a boxer how many times he's thrown a jab? Right. A million? It's still his primary punch. In his unities, like we used to, back in fighting, he'd be like, okay, you throw a jab a hundred times to cross a hundred, like, that was just a Monday. Yeah. You ask a boxer how many times you throw a jab, he's gonna tell you, you know, a thousand times a week. You ask his coach how many times you throw a jab, he goes, he has, in eight years, he still hasn't thrown one good one. Yeah, 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 the, yeah, perspective. yeah. the perspective is different from yeah. the coach. He has a lazy fucking jab. Yeah. But you have, how many times you bench? Well, I have to bench every week, and yeah. I don't bench on two board with a fucking reverse. I'm like, ah. And it's not that, you know, it, here's the thing. When you run a business, uh, so there's a difference something on the board it says there's civilian training and then there's you know the power lifters and then there's meat prep mm -hmm. and the meat preps training cycles it, it's different there's an application same thing with online training it's like the civilian stuff maybe they may get something just for the sake of it these people are coming in recreationally to train to have a good time to get fit they're gonna see things like that when the power lifter comes okay comes with the concept of this is a particular you know if we were talking about a mesocycle and particular blocks, whatever you want to call them. When it comes to the power lifter, it's like, okay, you have your volume, your strength, your peak. It, uh, if we want to put it into a simplistic yeah. form, that's pretty much it. Then yeah. you can go, some people don't even respond to volume, etc. cetera. Um, and that's, it's so fucking, it's, it becomes very simplistic. And I tell them that's the difference when you call yourself a fucking athlete mm -hmm. and then you call yourself a lifter. And I'm really adamant about that. I know I need Alisa in this fucking quote-unquote table you should really see how we're set up here um, but so much and then liquor. i'm really adamant about that <laughs> it, 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 if you guys have any input on that like i'm i'm i don't want to call myself an elitist but i'm going to call myself an elitist when people call themselves 100%. athletes or power lifters right mm -hmm. uh i think you have to really understand the weight of that word and this may tr I, this, like every episode it transcends just what we're talking about as far as meathead and science and stuff that takes a lot. I believe it's important to say that because you guys have probably done the same shit for a decade or more. Um, and when people see your 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 level, it's really easy to blame it on other things. Like, oh yeah, well, pff, I mean, if I you know if I did it for this or if I did that or if I you know obviously he's not doing this, so I can do. It. I'm like, yeah, if you guys can explain to me a little bit or at least reiterate the fact that how did you fall in love? Maybe love is not the word, but it has to be love if you've gone this far. Mm -hmm. It's love. Simplicity. Yeah. How do you, how do you fucking explain that to somebody? I love your perspective on this. Like, yeah. how do you say, hey, listen, <laughs> it's a squat bench deadlift for forty years. Yeah. Fucking love it or leave it. But that obviously that message isn't always yeah. trends. Obviously, you guys are good at it because you're successful not only as athletes but as coaches. How would you push that? That's, that's my favorite. <laughs> That's a great that's a great question you know you don't choose to fall in love it's a feeling you get you're overwhelmed yeah. with it. you do not choose to fall in love it, it happens to you and from the second i touched a bar i was in love and i've done it through many different avenues be a strong man be a weightlifting be a powerlifting and even just going to the gym i touch the bar i'm in love and i don't mean that to sound weird but there's the challenges the bar presents every day of trying to get stronger trying to get better it's character building it's um 
you're either going to give 100% or you're not, and you're going to earn what you give. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no free rides. You don't just show up and get an 800-pound squat. You don't just show up and get a 700-pound deadlift. Anything you've done or you lifted, you've earned. Mm-hmm. It is the epitome of earning something because mm-hmm. the bar doesn't lie. If you're not strong enough, it will tell you fast. Right. And if you're not ready, it will hurt you fast. Mm-hmm. So I think I fell in love with the process of strength. Um, it's an achievement, you know, and feeling empowered. The bar gives me the feeling of empowerment. And when I work with other athletes and they have those aha moments or they hit those huge numbers and they feel great or they have those great meets, it's another feeling of empowerment. Mm-hmm. So the bar started it and then coaching developed it even further and then community. You know, yeah. uh, I, I've yeah. driven to Gainesville this month. I've driven to Miami this month all around just to hang out with people and lift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm an anti-social guy. Like I talk to people all day, every day through social media, like 50 yeah. people a day through social media. But in real life, I think you only see my wife and kids. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. You're like so, socially trained, I, I, but that's exactly. not your social. But I'm like a gym whore. You know, yeah. I'll go from gym to gym to gym with people just to lift and have fun yeah. because I don't give a shit about going to the bar and having chicken wings and a beer and watching a football game. I'd rather sit there for four hours and train and mm-hmm. record a podcast with God knows how much alcohol in front of me. Wait, what? <laughs> There's like seven. Seven different Speaking countries representing alcohol here, <laughs> and uh, don't worry, I'm not driving. No, actually, yeah. I am driving. I'm not drinking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, have I? I'm confused now. Yeah. But no, it's, with it's, me. it's it was love at first sight for me. Mm-hmm. The second I touched the cold steel, I was like, wow, this is great. It challenged me in a way nothing else ever had. Yeah. Mm. And some people feel that, some people don't. And if you're <laughs> bored doing the same thing every day, then you don't have that love. Mm-hmm. You'll get as far as you want to. You'll get as far as you're willing to sacrifice for and give up for. Mm. And it may be a little different for everybody else, but I'm in love. Yeah. yeah. I think I'm in love now. I mean, yeah, goddamn, I that was staring cool. at me. Yeah, I know. He's, he's actually making eye yeah, contact with me right I'm now. I'm fucking the shit million. out of him right now. I mean, it's it's in deep right now. Yeah, yeah, I feel it. I yeah. feel it in deep. I feel it deep. Somebody closed the garage. Though. Yeah, a little warning. Is that Barry White? What the hell? Oh, Did you have yeah. to put chalk on it? That's rough. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the only way. Uh, I mean, it's it's funny. Um, you know, Trevor said he he fell in love when he when he first got under the bar, when he first went in there and that feeling. Um, you know, me, I, I went into it, you know, I, I played football, I did this, and so I was looking for that rush. And so I got into powerlifting, the fact, oh, I, could, I lifted and did stuff like this, but I wasn't in love with it. And then when I got, I got uh, associated with some people at, in Boone when I did my undergrad and my master's, um, and they were powerlifters and we first met with these people, and this is the first introduction I had to them. And in doing that, I went in there, I was humbled. Coming then, they were like, "Oh, you're squatting high. Uh, you're not going all the way down." And you're like, "What?" You know, it's like, "What? That's a that's a clean." My high school coach said that was you're good. Right? You're yeah. a fucking idiot. Yeah. He's like, "Well, I'm 165 and I squat 700." I'm like, "Well, you're oh yes, idiot sir." Face. You know, <laughs> you know, and you you get into this this idea and you see this and they show you and you you go th- like Trevor said, you kind of fall in love with the process. But I think what really drove me to uh, was the community. Yeah training with these people and you have this family you have this you know this team aspect everyone's there to really build you up you know and powerlifting is a, it's an individualized sport um but i don't really view it as that like when I, I, yeah it's a team effort but when i go even like not even a quote-unquote team you know battle axe you have uh you know a gorilla bench you have abc strong um you have you have all this all this stuff and one of the cool things about that is when we go to a meet everyone's there to build everyone you know, I had, knees, I, yeah, everything. yeah, to do everything. They bend over backwards for you. Yeah. And, you know, th- that's the aspect that I really fell in love with. And people legitimately wanted to see you do do good. Mm. And I was like, well, you're my comp- competition. What? No, you should be like 
you know, straight up Tanya Harding to break my yeah. knee on this thing. I really want to see I Tanya. Uh, me too. Yeah, I hear it's good. good. I heard yeah. that's good too. I yeah. was about to mention yeah. that. I saw it in a YouTube commercial. Yes, I'm like, yes. I don't want to watch yeah. this. I mean, Maggie Roberts is hot shit. But uh, what? Who's but, uh, that? I don't I even know who that is. Is that what that is? I don't even notice actresses anymore. But I look at my dog mostly. But yeah, I think it was the, the, the community aspect, the shows that everyone's right there. Um, that's, that's what really drove me and made me become more passionate. And then as I got into it, I fell in love with the process more and more. I fell in love with the, the quest for strength. Um, you know, obviously, I, I started out multiply. So putting on gear and adding, you know, There's 400 no, pounds yeah. to my squat, you know, I was like, oh, well, you're na uh, natural at this. Yeah. You should do this. <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah, I mean, hell, I mean, first multiply meet at 2200 at 242. The 950 squat, 575 bench, and a 675 deadlift. I'm like, all right, that's pretty cool. Yeah. You know? Maybe so, I'll do this. Yeah. Up there, and Louie comes up to me, and he's like, you're pretty cool. Yeah, I got a fucking full-on chub. Yeah. That's yeah. yeah. your ass I did. <laughs> that's fucking yeah. massive, dude. And just going on, and, you know, there's a couple of videos of me doing that. He's in the background. You can see him, like, watching. He's, like, shaking his head. I'm like... This is my proudest this moment right here. Yeah, yeah. At the time, there wasn't screenshots. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Screenshot yeah. the video. The VHS tape. Yeah. <laughs> Louis, Louis story. I took the uh, the West Side Seminar literally one week out of being out of the hospital for my back injury. Right? And I'm talking to Louis. And it was I, we talked about this in the summer. It's the greatest gift because I couldn't lift shit. So I just sat back and watched and observed everybody as a student, which was great. And uh, Louis talking about the reverse hyper. And, and he, he's noticing I'm walking funny. And I'm explaining to Louis what goes on. And I said, I declined surgery. And Louis stops. He goes, this is the smartest motherfucker in the room right yeah. here. And I'm like... Every neurosurgeon just told me I'm crazy, but Louis said you're the smartest motherfucker in the room. I'm think, going yeah. with it. You Stupid know? science. I, I called my wife and I'm like, Louis said I'm the smartest motherfucker, and she's like, Who's Louis? I'm like, Never mind. Uh, I don't Never know mind. if you know what I know, but this but, is a you know, good day it, for me. It was. It was a blessing. It was. Yeah. It, it taught me to open up. It taught me to learn more. It taught me patience, and it expanded my knowledge with the community because yeah. I sought out more people to train with, to learn from, yeah. to hang out with. You're alone on the platform, but you're together in training. Yeah. Right. And it, it's something. So we had this. I always I brought this up in a few episodes before. Somebody had asked me, you know, whatever, why are we doing this and why we push ourselves to these limits, whatever. And one of the simplest answers, and we brought it up before, is do you have what it takes? That's why I started sports. I chose fighting because I was actually really scared of getting in the ring and fighting somebody. I was like legitimately, I didn't really grow up with a super aggressive family. It just was whatever. I had a lot of bad, bad guy friends, but I wasn't like one of these fucking bullies or whatever, but I wanted to fight. And I wanted to learn and I wanted to know that if I was pushed to the limit, physically hands-on that I could keep going and I proved it to myself despite winning and losing and that I needed to fill that void I think a lot of people that step into the ring once you step into the ring there's this particular void you can't fill mm -hmm. and uh, it's just like people that see combat and that's why I think a lot of us have experienced training with veterans and stuff it's a particular void that powerlifting strength the gym the iron fulfills it's just kind of like do I have what it takes when it's time to perform mm -hmm. and over the years, I trained alone a lot at the beginning before I found community, whatever. But I realized that if I came with that mentality that, you know, do I have what it takes, that I had proven something to myself, that I exuded that energy and that brought upon some really badass training partners and some really badass groups and some really great friends over time because I think it brings back to what we were saying before. When we go to a meet and we see a particular gym, or particular colors or particular whatever we all that gym's legitimate and if that guy is in a good place right now it's because he fucking earned it and if that coach is patting that guy on the back and wrapping his fucking knees and getting him lunch 
is because that that lifter has probably either cleaned the gym or loaded plates mm-hmm. and and I think I I don't mean to bring this back up. Actually, I do. I do everything on purpose. Uh, I think it's yeah, I think it's very important that that's kind of something we were. Re- I'm going to reiterate is that when you go to these meets, the reason why there's fucking community is because you knew that you know what it takes to get to a certain level. So when you go out there and you see this guy killing himself, and a lot of times, how many times have you seen a lifter that's by himself? Yeah, yeah. and you're just like, come to me, yep. into come my talk bosom, to me. come hang out with my group, come warm up with us. Yeah, because you know that, man, that takes courage first of all to do that. Courage and a little bit of stupidity, but you respect that, you know? Yeah. And you're like, fuck, man. I respect that gym. I respect those colors. I respect what they're doing. If that coach is there for a reason and it builds that community. And I'm, I'm not saying we're losing this because by all means, I think that there's more positive community in our strength world. But to reiterate that point, I think that's why it's very important for people that are listening, for us here in this fucking room, that you continue to build. I'm not saying be a dickhead for the sake of being a dickhead, but that people continue to understand that People are watching. People know if you earn that respect from your coach, right? And I think it's important that we continue to push that. And if there's anything we always agree upon is that besides falling in love with the sport, because truly I love strength. That's why, you know, not only did I give up lifting for a year to come back, but I opened a gym, whatever. So we love the fucking community. We love being part. We love seeing our friends succeed. Yeah. We love going toe-to-toe with these motherfuckers. And I've given my, you know, I, for sure, because you've done strong, man. You either give your tacky, your chalk, your fucking belt. And yeah. mean, you're like, I want to beat you on your best day, motherfucker. We're friends. But here's the belt. I want you to use it. But I'm going to beat Bar you. Bar my sleeves. Yes. my straps. Absolutely. Yes, right? And uh, that's why I wanted to bring that up and, and talk about that shit, man. Um, I think it's great. It drives us. Yep. It really does drive us. I mean, we all, you know, at the end of the day, we may beat each other's ass and, you know, go into that. But, you know, we're hugging. We're hugging after that. You know, we're, oh, yeah. you know, I mean, like Trevor Love said hugs. earlier, like we, when we only pull heavy when we're, when we're <laughs> hurting each other, you know, we get in here. And it's like, I saw that yeah, shit. I know, I'm fucking like, last time he beat did me. Did that for nine. Yeah. yeah. And then the over there, day, uh, I was like, God damn it. I, I can't let the fucker do this again. Yeah. I went for two. I was like, for one, I'm going to pull for two. I would have went for one and put like a piece of toilet paper. One pound, one pound clips. Here we go. I got you. We were talking, but we, oh, so if we do a sled pool, right? Yeah. And I'm last because I, I love going last and yeah. you do like let's say two plate sled pool yeah. I'll put a .5 kilo plate and pull it and be right like in there. man I fucking oh, totally see, won that he, he's being humble and saying I beat him last time I pulled him on a single this motherfucker took 750 for 5 beltless Piece of shit, bro. I pulled 755 for 1 he pulled 755 for 5 without a belt <laughs> now granted beltless. he weighs 900 pounds more than me <laughs> I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm a thick chick. Yeah. I don't know, yeah. it's whatever. Uh, I don't know if you guys know, Big but my 600-pound life is coming to the battle action. Yes. Um, so okay, so let's get a little sciency. We're having a great conversation. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep the flow. And we talked about this big time in uh, Doc. You're a big component of beltless lifting. Yes. And I want to fucking talk about this. Um, not argue, although I wish I could because I'm not going to hang. But here's my concept. And I'm going to propose ideas to you. Mm -hmm. And I I talked about it with a couple lifters. So you talked about the variability of the belt. Mm -hmm. Um, For somebody like, I guess, us, we've been using belts for, what, 10, 12, whatever years. So it doesn't take you very long during a peak week to to adapt to the belt. You know, and uh, Doc talked about doing, let's say, beltless for most of his meet and then take or most of his his prep or even off-season. And then using the belt for the last three or four weeks. For a beginning lifter, um, 
and this is just for the sake of being like a devil's advocate. Would you have, and it's very important to understand that the belt is a tool, not a crutch. Let's reiterate that. Mm -hmm. um, would you have them lift both, let's say the, the first few lifts. I, I don't have any of the amateur lifters lift with belts because they don't even earn it. Right. Like mm -hmm. you're not even at your human potential. Let's say the average, of the, like the average lifter needs a belt. They know what 80% is. They know what 85% is. Um, when do you say, okay, you're going to do beltless mostly? Or do you say, you know, some days you do the belt. And then what's the typical criteria is over 75, 70, 75% use the belt. Would you say there's a benefit to going completely beltless for the most part, maybe during off season and then during the peak throw the belt on? Or would you say during particular training you do one? Like how we do it here is that we do one beltless day for whatever the fuck we need to do. And then one day where things are relatively high, you throw the belt on to keep that variability fresh. And it's just for the sake of argument, not because I think I'm right. Even though I probably think I'm <laughs> No, but seriously, what what would you explain to people that want to go beltless? Explain to them, please, both of you guys from your experience, how you do this, why you do this, and when is it okay and not okay? I'm like I'm like Jared. I like to go beltless as long as I possibly can in the off season, build my patterns, you know, work constantly on bracing and building. And if I'm at a point where I need to put a belt on, you know, it's over 85, it's over 90. I think I actually pulled. Well, God, it's no longer 90, 96 percent anymore. It happened today, <laughs> but I pulled 96 percent beltless in my last training cycle before the last meet, and that was a huge confidence booster going to me. I'm like, shit, if I could do 96 percent without a belt, what can I do with the belt? And I ended up hitting a, a PR lift there. It was right after I was in here August. I didn't show you the video. Um, and I ended up hitting a PR in that meet with my deadlift because putting the belt on made it feel that much easier. So training without it as much as possible, not relying on it. When, okay, so, so when do you there's, know there's that? No, there's no concrete number I can give you and say 70, 75, 80, because everyone's different. The more broken someone's patterns are, the more they should train without it. Mm -hmm. Because they are relying on that crush, like you so called it. Once you feel like that pattern technique starts yeah. to break down, you because feel like... Because nothing forces you to learn how to breathe and brace and stabilize than being beltless. Yeah. Yeah, story of my life right now. So, uh, sorry, I was hashtagging. But, um, <laughs> wow. Uh, Did you hashtag uh, me? The, uh, Dr. DLP? Dr. DLP. I love it. I love it. <laughs> no, uh, like, like Trevor said, I'm a huge component of beltless. Uh, all, all of our clients, we take the belt away. The, the big thing with the beltless training is, like, well, like we said, it really exploits any sort of weakness you have. Um, so if you rely so much more on um, you know, having the belt to kind of create that extensor moment within the trunk, you know, you're not really contracting the transverse abdominis to create that extensor moment. And you put the belt on, um, you have that, most likely you're, not, you, you're letting that go and that bracing mechanism go, and so you're actually going to, you know, kind of work against it in the sense that it's creating an extensor moment, but you put the weight on there, you're not braced properly, and you're actually um, putting the, the, the bar, once you put the bar on there, you're actually creating, the bar is helping you create a flexion moment. And so they're canceling each other out. And so I think um, for me, my beltless numbers are pretty much the exact same as my belt, belted numbers and on a one-on-one -on -one basis. So like when I squat in training, you know, I'm just squatting that day. I'm not benching, I'm not deadlifting. You know, when I deadlift, I'm not squatting and I'm not benching. I'm very specific to that day. Now, at a meet, I squat, I bench, I deadlift. So it, it's advantageous for me. For longevity. Yeah, the day, for, it, the day lasts so long. And so I, I put the belt on to get acclimated to that. So, you know, we, we, you said, what's that concrete number? Okay. For me, I use a belt last four weeks, last four to five weeks of training. That's it. But... I have to introduce it in every aspect because I want to minimize my big component is variability. All my reps from rep one to rep 10 
look exactly the same. Slow. He means slow. They all look Super really slow. slow. Yeah, yeah. Five hundred and eight hundred look exact same speed. Right but but they get there. I get the job done. <laughs> I get it in there. I'm slow. Slow strokes. Slow strokes. <laughs> One slow stroke. Yeah, that's which about is it. like yeah. worth three minutes. Yeah, exactly. a Talked good three that. minutes. If um, I don't cramp. So let me ask. You, let me ask a question here. Um, what? So you, we talk about longevity of the day. When would you say the belt? Do you? Would you say the belt adds, adds longevity into the training lifespan, or would you? Because here's the thing. Here's what I have to say. Bracing, diaphragmatic breathing, what I would call diaphragmatic mastery is a process. Yep. It's getting popular now, but I, yeah. I mean, I learned that shit when I was 14 in martial yeah. arts. I think, and I, I talked about it today, people would go, okay, I do beltless, but they're suddenly forgetting the, diaphrag the diaphragmatic control what? Right, they incline think beltless press. means no belt. Yeah, or <laughs> yeah. They, they do the squat and they're like, their bird dogs are shit, their mm -hmm. inclines are shit, they're curly with no diaphragmatic control, they're mm -hmm. not bracing. When typically, if you understand like spine mechanics, yeah. obviously you got to brace consistently. When when do you apply that philosophy of longevity into training lifespan? So if you can apply it, for example, obviously you do it into the day of the meet, or you do it get into your peaking cycle. What would you say, or how would you apply it to a uh, a growing lifter, and say that does that same philosophy apply to their training lifespan, mm -hmm. or would you say it's more advantageous to just continue bracing and have a slower climb to me slower climb yeah you know you're gonna learn a lot more going slower and understanding what each moment is for understanding what each repetition is for you know and not just going through the motions like you and said when you when they take it they're just throwing emotions out you know i look at clients and i'll put in bird dogs and i'll put in rolling planks stuff like that and they're just trying to rush to get through yeah, get yeah and the they're bar. not even tired i'm like right. if you're doing a bird dog and yeah. you're like yeah, and yep. it's bullshit well yeah. i think a lot of you have to understand um bracing and breathing are completely different most people would say bracing, like today, we yeah. had a couple people, like brace, you push your stomach out. No, what the fuck are you doing? No, stop it. Right. You know, it's, again, it's not, it's not breathing. You know, you're not just filling up your gut with air. You know, it's bracing, it's learning how to do this, this process. And through specialty exercises like the, you know, bird dogs, the, the uh, rolling planks, et cetera, et cetera. You know, the, the big three, all this. Uh, these individuals learn to control their body. They learn to control and feel the movement. So many lifters aren't feeling the movement. You know, uh, one of the big things with gear training is I had to learn to control that bar. When you got a thousand pounds on your back, and you're going down at yeah, six seconds. Yeah, you going down. You have to make sure that you're in complete control, and that's really helped me carry over to my raw stuff. That's why I'm so goddamn slow. You know, but I, I, if you look at it, I'm in 100% control. I make that bar my bitch. Yeah. Yeah. It goes where exactly where I want it and to at go. The pace you want it it to stays go. where I want to go. It doesn't throw me forward. Yeah. It doesn't throw me back. You know, I don't let it do that. That's like the ant. Yeah. Uh, you know, the ant does the same ways. He talks about this all the time. He's like uh, Hawthorne. Mm -hmm. He's like, you know, there, there's a. We talked about this in the in the seminars. Like, there is a time to apply speed. Yeah. And uh, I think a lot of people had come to the concept that powerlifting is a speed sport. I'm like, eh. no. I'm like, I think that people have, especially raw lifting, being as that it's evolving, right? The science behind it, the the whole study of it, being as not even that old, you're realizing that it's not necessarily a speed sport. Although you can apply speed to people that are slow, that it's really that strength sport. Right? That was the old adage: you take a, yeah. a slow lifter, you train them fast. You train That's them fast, it. They're going to get super slow. Speed, you know, yeah. slow lifters need to learn how to go fast, and fast lifters need to learn how to grind. You're going to move as fast only as you can stabilize the load. Yeah. And how perfect because you if you be. try and outspeed yeah. the load and it starts moving you, you've mm -hmm. lost it. 
move only as fast as you can stabilize the load. So the better you get at breathing and bracing without the belt, the faster mm -hmm. you can go with the belt because you've learned how to stabilize the load right. Right, through which, a range of motion. That's what she said. And that's for <laughs> <laughs> what? So I'm just glad and, the, the and I feel like that, that I mean, we, we had a therapy seminar not too long ago, and it was like uh, Kyle from Athletics Rehab was saying that it really breaks down to motor patterns. Yep. And now we're getting to that level of really breaking it down to a science. Yeah. I'm like, because – Biomechanics has really done like a lot for athletic sports and ball sports is what I like to call, but it's just starting to emerge, I mean, you would know, mm -hmm. into something like, like powerlifting and just like these singular motions. And I, would, I wish it would evolve eventually into strongman. It's just super complicated, but it's still the fundamentals are still yeah. the same, right? And I, I see it all the time. It's like um, these motions and, these, and this, this concept is, is, is different. Mm -hmm. um, so anyways, I just want to really touch base on that. Um, so coming into, I guess, conclusion, because honestly, I think I can talk to these guys like for 67 hours. Yeah. Um, and I, and I'm going to ask this and, I, and I'm going to ask this from both of you guys. I always ask anybody from experience, um, especially guys that you guys have probably come through some hardships and some bullshit. If you were to, because I mean, everybody that listens, obviously we come back from injury. You've come back from injury. Okay. You've come back from some injury and some shit. What would you say is a, like a fundamental key? And this is going to always transcend sport because I think the reason why we fell in love with these sports is because it bettered our lives as coaches, boyfriends, husbands, fathers, brothers, whatever. Um, if you were to break down, you can do one, two, three. I like to keep it relatively simple. How you overcame these adversities, like your bad meat, your hip injury, your back injury, put you in the fucking hospital, Trev. Um, how would you explain that to you? How you came those adversities? I get I get asked this like I'm at that point in my life now where at one point I was getting like you know patted on my back and my dick flucked for a fucking 300 whatever it's strict press and now I'm like I'm getting complimented on sticking to the way and the discipline which right. which mm -hmm. is harder I think yeah. right yeah and what would you say is a couple cues or a couple mental mantras or morning wake ups that you say to yourself and do to overcome these adversities um, and to proceed forward. And, and really, I mean, but, but really live them. Because people were like, you know, just get after it. I'm like, okay. Then I had this discussion yeah. with a client yeah. yesterday. They're like, those are action items. Right. When I tell you, skin, don't be a fucking pussy. And I, I talked about this recently. I talked about this in the last podcast. Those are action items. Mm -hmm. The only way I understand that that even means anything is because I put step-by-step -step process of learning, of day-to-day -day mm -hmm. war of attrition concept. In your case, in your cases... What are some things that you would say is like got you over that hump, progressed you into where you're at now, and is going to not only continue to push you forward, but this is what you're telling your clients day in, day out. My clients sound so basic, but lifters, your, <laughs> yeah. your people. Oh, man. Uh, I can remember a very distinct moment. Uh, Carlos Reyes came up in Strongman. He was hitting like mm -hmm. 400 logs, like 19. Freak. And I'm sitting here just out of the hospital. I left the hospital on Father's Day weekend. I'm on the floor doing bird dogs and dead bugs, trying to bring myself back. You know, mm -hmm. no one knew who Dr. McGill was back then. I yeah, found some YouTube shit. Yeah. yeah. And like people were talking about the McKenzie method out of Australia and I'm researching all of it. And I remember sitting there about two weeks out of the hospital and uh, through social media, Carlos Reyes, I don't even know, but I didn't even talk about it. I was out in New Orleans about this. He put up a post about what he could do each day to be better. And he had it printed, and it was on like his college dorm wall, right? And here I am, I'm 30-something, I've got kids, I've got a family, I've got a business, and here's a 19-year-old kid who's working harder than me. And it kind of pissed me off that I wasn't working as hard as him. And it was like an aha moment that, you know, listen, you deserve this injury because you weren't doing everything you had to. It was a different mindset. 
you know, it didn't happen. It no longer happened to me. I made it happen to me. Mm. There, initially, when you get hurt, you say, oh, why did this happen to me? Yeah. And then the two-week aha moment was I made this happen to this me because I wasn't yeah. doing what I should have done in the first place. So here's a 19-year-old kid who's, you know, at such an elite level now. But at 19, he already realized every step. And it was like, did I, did I do my mobility today? Did I hydrate today? Did I eat today? Did I foam roll before I went to bed? He had like this checklist of like 12 things at 19 mm-hmm. on his college dorm wall that I didn't even have at 30-something with a wife and kids. Yeah, like a grown-ass man. Yeah. It, was, it was a big fuck you moment. I still remember that distinctly because here's this kid doing everything he should and here's this man doing everything he shouldn't. And it was like, wow. So that was humbling. Yeah. And sometimes you need to eat that humble pie. And, and that's mm-hmm. what it was that pushed me through it as I realized it didn't happen to me, I made it happen to me. And that was my mindset. So I made it happen to me, I can also fix it. Mm-hmm. And I became very determined to fix it. And to never, this will never fucking happen. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, at the best of my power. Yeah, to the best yeah, of yeah. my ability to prevent it. You know, yeah. I warm up properly. Every day I do some mobility. I stabilize every day. I'm on the floor, you know. Uh, I saw you. I'm out there doing bird dogs in the yeah, parking lot. You know, the bench. I was like, that's my boy exactly. right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm doing bird dogs. and doing hip airplanes. Before it was fucking place. cool. Cause exactly. I, it's funny. I started doing bird dogs a year ago. I mean, just a year ago. And they're like, what's that? I'm like, shut your goddamn mouth. And everybody's like, hashtag uh, Stuart McGill. I'm like, yeah. oh, not so funny anymore. Sometimes you need that. Get him. You need that. You called it a kick in the dick before a punch. You need that wake up moment to realize the mistakes you're making. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just behaviors I wasn't doing. And it was funny because I would tell clients to do this. And it became do as I say, not as I do. And that was my downfall. All the time. Yeah. And then we not only do we say it, but we start to live that life. Yeah. Yeah. And that's fucking verbatim. Verbatim. Mm -hmm. You get caught up in that. Strength is power. is so addicting. Yeah. And it was like in the episode of Vikings, uh, he's like, Power is there for those who were like, like go down low enough to pick it up, and mm-hmm. we end up going pretty low, which is in the sense of we negate everything we've ever preached, right. coached. We just negate it. We're like, not us, bro, not us, not the guy next to me, not this guy. Mm-hmm. So it's not gonna happen to me, and then it fucking happens. Oh yeah, yeah. when you see yeah. you feel invincible, that's when it happens. Yeah, that's when it happens, right? You really gotta understand that there's, I mean, there's a lot, you know. So you bring up and you know more of a. Uh, athletic type thing but in even in academia when i was going through my phd it was a fucking wake-up call it was one of the hardest things i've done and I've, I've seen people just coast by it became effortless for them so i'm like well they're not trying hard and i get in there and you know some some shit happened and you know i had come to reality like i may not fucking actually finish this shit you know and that's i've i've you know four years undergrad two years master five years phd you know i've i've I may not finish this. My quest, you know, and one of the, the big things that kind of drove me, um, I kind of have, you know, you, I've been watching way too much goddamn anime. But what? <laughs> it's, it's one of these things, you know, I had this kind of like mortal quest um, from a very early age. Um, I had this bitch of a teacher, you know, and I hope she's listening. But, you know, tell, Let's get this to straight, her. straight up told my, my family during a, um, like a PTA conference or something that, I'm never going to do anything. Mm. Fast forward, JV, ninth grade, JV football, came up to me, or coach came up and said, you know, you, you, I'm watching as some of the JV players get kind of pushed up to the varsity for in playoffs and so and so. Comes up to me and said, Skinner, if you were just a little bit stronger. So I take this that I'm a failure. I take this that I'm not strong enough. And at this point, I had no, I, I didn't know anything about college. I didn't want to do that. I'm a goddamn doctor now. Yeah. Fuck y'all. Yeah, Fucking, yeah. You know? like a real doctor. Yeah. So, yeah. Yes, so it's, it's one of these things that, you know, you know, you tear me down is only going to, I'm just going to prove you wrong. You say I can't do something, goddamn it, I'm going to 
fucking make you believe I can. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things that's really driven me. So to having someone basically just say I can't do anything, you know, I've, I've even in, you know my PhD, I had a lot of people tell me, you know, I don't look like a fucking PhD. You know, when I first got a shaved like, head, giant here? beard, yeah. you know, all yoked up and everything, um, and they looked at me and said, "You're not going to do it in academia." I just published one of the, the fucking highest impact journals out there. You know, a great meta analysis with some great people. I've got a couple other articles in in route you know i'm doing well it's legacy yeah and it's one of these things that you know i'm i'm continually to to evolve i'm not the best person i'm going to be you know i'm going to get better and i'm continually to get better but i had to basically have someone say you know doubt me and that was the big thing with me so it really wasn't you know it's kind of opposite of, of trevor in the sense of like he realized shit was wrong i i had people doubting me and in that sense that if you doubt me, that's that's my main drive. Yeah. You know, doubt me. God, please do it. Yeah, man. Please do it. <laughs> I know that when people when I used to fight, when people were like, "Oh, you're gonna win this," I'm like, "Fuck." Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know? No. 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 And uh, that, so, so my so my story to relate a lot to you guys is that's what's spray painted on the walls and whatever. The walls win. Yeah. yeah you when, can't underestimate that. You yeah. can't like when. So I think I've probably told in another other episodes. It doesn't matter. Uh, it only matters is what's for right now. Yeah. Episode well, six. Episode six. Attack of the don't nerds. Know. Uh, us PhDs. Yes. So when Trevor, uh, <laughs> Trevor. <laughs> when when I was in fighting, I remember we, we said we had a badass training session. We had sparring. It was like an hour and a half. We never trained that long. And my coach came up to each one of us. He's like, "I'm gonna ask you what your strength is." And that's it. That's all he said. So you know, one guy, whatever. He got up to me, and at the time, I you know, I had pretty good legs. I was a fat kid, so my kids, my legs stayed big, and calves or whatever. And then he's like, he goes, "What's your strength, Mikey?" And I'm like. My legs, that was it? it was yeah. Super basic answer. Yeah. He's like, no, but what's your strength? He's like, okay, you're right. Yeah. My kicks. Yeah. And it was just, it was so. Uh, my responses were so thoughtless, so yeah. two dimensional. And he goes, your strength is your will to win. Yeah. And I, and and I was like so proud and embarrassed at the same time yeah. because I was the head. I was getting ready for fights. I was like the golden boy. Here, everyone pretty much got their answers right. And then I got them. I, he must ask me, like, I'm not going to shorten it. Five or six times, and I got it all, quote, unquote, wrong. He's like, despite no matter what you do, what opponent you face, how many injuries you have, like, you're always going to have this will to win. Even if you lose, the will to win yeah. is there. It's apparent. It's like you could be going through the darkest shittiest moments of your fucking mm-hmm. life but that will to win was like yeah losing is acceptance yeah yes. you only lose yeah. when you accept that you have lost yeah, that yeah. you're a fucking loser yeah, you're, no, you're accepting yeah. your mind says i cannot lose you'll keep trying exactly yeah. and that so that 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 literally this was like maybe 23 um i'm i'm 24 now I'm just kidding <laughs> i'm 33 uh, it took me like 10 years to get this phd so i'm 33 now uh but that that really impacted me, and I think I'm gonna end it on one final thing because I would love, I would love your perspective, and both because both of you don't really use these terms, and I love it. Yes, you do, and yes, you don't. Um, I always I always see something uh, like the grind. I see that a lot. And, Embrace uh, the grind. Yeah. yeah, and okay, so when you love what you do, it's not a grind. 
Mm-hmm. I don't even have to it's, finish that. It's not, <laughs> it's not work if you love what you we're do. We're just putting, we're finishing each other's yeah. sentences. Yeah. I know it's, it's. Sometimes you can't help when you fall in love. Yeah. Sometimes you just fall in love, bro. I just touched you like I touched a bar. Bro, that's it. We're talking about. I don't know that was my erection running into the box that we're standing at. Um, yes. If it's you're it's grinding, my, you're not doing what you yeah. love. Yeah, right? Well, showing up isn't the same as grinding. I no. show up because I love it. It's, yeah. fucking, it's, yeah. like, it's kind of like your fucking, it's your job and it's what you love to do, yeah. right? So if you're like, oh man, woke up this morning, you know, chicken breasted rice, grind. I'm like, no, because no. you like showing your yeah. stupid ass on yeah. social media and you don't want to be a fat bitch. So it's not the grind. <laughs> right. It's like the success, yeah. the gift, yeah. if you yep. want to call it, right? Uh, ben Pollock talked about that. He talked about lifters going crazy after making weight and blowing up all kinds of shit food. He said, no, the reward is making weight and competing. Oh, yes. The reward isn't the shit food. You're not dieting just to have the shit food. You're dieting to compete at a certain weight class and hit your goals. The reward is hitting your goals. Look, yes. I'm two for five for making weight. So I, really <laughs> need to get this shit done. I can help you. Yes, I know you can. I, I'm going to sit down in that sun and be like, Eating a sandwich. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, God, I've done that because I've been oh. so underweight for 198. Sometimes I'll sit there eating ice cream. And my wife is freaking out. Like, what the fuck's wrong? And she's taking like her sixth salt bath and I'm eating ice cream. Like, I have six pounds on it. I'm yeah. fine. I can take a big poop. Yeah. Um, oh. Okay, so that was kind of funny yeah. how fucking quick that fucking uh-huh. ended because I think we're all on the same goddamn <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah. And I, it, it gets to that point where like I tell guys, I'm like, look. In Florida, boys. Yeah, you know what yeah, we do. Know. We you do know it. what we do. And it, it, it comes to a point where like uh, when you have. Uh, world-class effort or world-class love for something, typically you're going to find people of, of uh, like like mind, mm-hmm. like heart, like love, whatever. Not whatever, but literally like love. Um, and, I, and I think that's kind of where I want to cut it. Um, only be, I'm only saying this because I feel like I haven't had such a good flow of conversation in a fucking long time, and I, I'm really happy about it, honestly. And... I wanted to bring that up because I think a lot of us are going to continuously talk and say and do what we love. And now that we've been fortunate enough and gifted enough to make these dreams a reality in the sense of not only is it uh, we wake up to do what we love, but it's also paying our bills Mm -hmm. and building our community and uh, expanding our horizons. I mean, the fact that we're sitting here on a Saturday night having a fucking great podcast over drinks, expressing ideas and philosophies that people are going to listen to. And literally change their lives in the sense that they're going to wake up tomorrow and do something just a little fucking different Mm -hmm. is the point of legacy. Is the point of like, it's like writing a paper, Mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're, it's there forever, whether you disagree with it or it gets disproven until then it's something forever. So, um, I'm going to say goodbye to my, my guests. Um, I fucking had a great time. Uh, Doc Skinner, Jaffe, you guys have been, it's been a fucking honor. And I think this has been one of the fucking it's just a fucking good episode. So yeah. we're gonna we're gonna say goodbye. If you guys uh, want to follow them on the Instagrams, go ahead and say your your info, please. So I'm on uh, Instagram at uh, Dr. J Skinner twenty three fifteen, um, or if you want to look more specific into the training ABC Strong or through American Barbell Club, uh, ways you can kind of contact and kind of follow us. Yep, and I'm on Instagram as Jaffe Strength, all one word. Uh, Facebook, Trevor Jaffe. You guys can reach out to me anytime you want. Mm-hmm. Um, you see, if you follow the Jaffe Strength hashtag, you'll see a lot of awesome lifters do incredible shit. It's really fun to watch. And uh, if you have a gym and you want to train, just call me because I'm a whore. Yeah. I will I lift it. with you. I will find you and I will lift with I you. Would, I will lift everything around you. I can agree. Yeah, he's yeah. definitely a whore. Yep. Yeah. I show out. my midriff because yeah. I'm a slut. <laughs> uh, no. I, saw, I saw one of my teammates is like, I show my midriff when I bench because I'm a slut. I'm like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. Bench, need. Yeah. bench belly. Yeah. Uh, so signing off, guys. This is the Battle Axe Gym Podcast. This is MDLP. Like we always say, don't be a pussy. Everything ends. <laughs>